You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Every writer that you meet will have that one script. That one script that is their heart and soul that they love so very much that has not been discovered yet. That's what this podcast is all about. We find those scripts, these unbelievably original gems, and we bring them to life with a table read of professional actors. Welcome to Undiscovered Scripts, Movies Made of Paper. In the first decade of the 21st century, live action role-playing was beginning to become more popular than ever before. Each community was different. Each group was one of a kind. But they all shared one thing in common, a love for the game and the belief that everyone is welcome to come and play. But in every fandom, there are always a few jackasses. I mean, just ask the Star Wars fandom. Like, take a fucking breath, you imbeciles. Go wash the saliva out of your Darth Maul bedsheets and accept that Rose Tico is the shit. And the morons that think social justice warriors are ruining Star Trek? Are you kidding me? Star Trek? Star Trek is the womb from which the social justice warriors crawled, you slack-jawed chuckleheads. Anyway, this is a tale of a LARP group and the gatekeepers who tried to stop them. Oh, and this is not representational of the actual LARP community. Where was this disclaimer in Knights of Bad Aston? Am I right? How did that movie get made, but this one didn't? Not that this is an accurate work of genius, but come on. I actually never saw it. And also, this is a story about an all-woman LARP group, and it was written in 2012 by a straight white guy, so you already know this is going to get problematic somewhere. But it can't be worse than Nights of Badassism. It just can't be. I'm basing this on what I saw in the trailers. It just can't be worse. America Young likes this story, so that counts for a lot. I'm just saying, there's some credit in the bank there. Anyway, this is the tale of a mighty LARP group and their mighty quest to quest. The forest is dark and foggy. Sounds of screaming, scrapes of steel. Slicing through the fog reveals a deadly melee between a group of warriors and a wicked bestial creature. Blades crash and the combatants shout over the inhuman snarls of the creature. The frenzy of the melee builds. A young woman's voice can be heard howling in a primal battle cry. (coughs) Suddenly Drew appears, leaping through the air. Her sword slices the fog and descends. Suddenly we are in Jack's bedroom. It's morning. Drew blinks in confusion. The weapon in her hand is actually a Swiffer. And it's impacted right next to her roomie's head, Jack who was asleep on her pillow until only a second ago. Jack screams. <laughs> Drew screams. <laughs> Moments later, back in Drew's room, Drew is sipping some coffee with her knees pulled up to her chin. Jack appears in her doorway behind her. I'm sorry, Jack. Drew glances over her shoulder at her roomie. Drew? Sleepwalk once. No big deal. Sleepwalk Eight times. Seven. Eight times. While reenacting a medieval combat scenario that nearly gets me decapitated by a Swiffer, that's too much. 
Maybe I can just start taking some sleeping aid or something. Can I ask you something? I know what you're going to ask me. And? I can't talk about this right now. I have work. Drew gets up and walks into her room. Jack is clearly disappointed. Later that day, Drew is at work, in a meeting in a sterile conference room. Her bosses and coworkers are exchanging ideas, chatting about some generic project. She glances out the window, half paying attention. Out past the parking lot is a wooded area. She gazes into the green. The sound of battle cries softly echo around her. The clash of steel can be faintly heard. She is lost in a dream. Her colleagues don't even notice her total disenchantment as they drone on and on about absolutely nothing. They become background noise. In the echoes, taunting can be heard. Jack is walking dogs in a neighborhood. She's focused on the animals when something catches her attention. Two kids run through their front yard. One of them is wielding a plastic sword as he chases his friend. Jack finds herself smiling as the children play. She suddenly sobers and glances down at herself. There's a large scar on the side of her right leg, near her knee. The subtle joy on her face turns cold. The kids laugh in the background. Jack urges the dogs onward. That evening, Drew is in her room. She is going through some papers on her bed. She carries on for a few minutes before pausing to rub her eyes. She stares at the papers before her and exhales. She glances over to a small stack of RPG books and a fantasy statue on her nightstand. Drew, it's not enough, is it? What do you mean? I mean, just because you're trying to turn me into an XP reward in your sleep doesn't mean you're the only one that misses it. It's not enough, Drew. It's not enough to just be a fan. I miss having a group. Drew nods slowly. Me too. Run a game. Jack, don't. Why not? You know why not. I do know why not. And you know I know why not. And yet, here I am saying it anyway. So, let's skip past all the moping and drama and skip to the part where you realize it's time to start putting the past behind you and start being who you are again. We're live-action role-players, so why aren't we live-action role-playing? Drew hesitates, then reaches over and grabs an RPG book. <sighs> Your knee. I don't care anymore. I can work with it. Come on, Drew. You want this, and frankly, I think we kind of need it. I'm not going back. Neither am I. We get a new group. What? How? I don't know. Craigslist. <laughs> We're not selling a TV. You know how many weird-ass replies we would get if we posted on Craigslist? Maybe. Drew looks uncertain. Drew, it's time to stop being embarrassed by who you are. Let's play. Her uncertainty persists. Jack puts her hands on Drew's shoulder and looks her in the eyes. I know you're nervous. Let's figure out as we go. You're the best game master I've ever known. Let's make a group. Let's play. They regard each other. After a moment, a small smile grows on Drew's face. A few minutes later in Jack's living room, Drew and Jack sit down in front of the computer and open Craigslist. You realize we're going to get a few thousand pictures of penises, right? <laughs> Not if I post in used furniture. <laughs> wow. I wouldn't have thought of that. Still, I mean, I doubt anyone's out there anyway. You never know. <laughs> Suddenly, Jack pauses. 
What? What? What what should we say? Drew leans in. Okay. <sighs> say this. Moments later across town, Bianca, a curly-haired girl with action figures gracing her workspace in the corner of her room, is focused like daggers on her computer screen as she reads out loud. You are called to adventure and glory. Beginner's live action role-playing group is forming. Experienced players welcome. Darkness has befallen the land. Meanwhile, in another apartment, Naruna, a thin, pale, nerdy-looking girl, is in a room filled with books and maps. She is leaning close to her computer screen and reading out loud while thoughtfully tapping a pencil against her chin. And only the brave stand a chance to hold the tides of evil at bay. Join your sisters. Also in front of her computer is Sarah, a pretty, preppy-looking girl in fresh PJs and a neat and orderly room. Martha Stewart could live here. Her eyes are wide as she reads with growing excitement. And plunge into a mystical world of magic and peril. Draw your blade. Andrea sits in her garage. A super sweet-looking wallflower of a girl with large glasses reads her computer screen like she's reading off the winning lottery numbers. And prepare to jump into the adventure of your life. Bianca. Awaken your cunning. Naruna. Call forth your inner power. Drew. And summon your faith. Your unforgettable journey with new friends begins. Now. Please note, we don't use real weapons. Andrea lets that sink in for a moment. She gives a sour face. Well, that's bullshit. She abruptly slams her laptop closed and storms out. Drew and Jack are in their living room. Posted. Ugh, no one's going to respond. This is stupid. We got one. No way. Holy. <gasps> Two more. Three, four, five, six. Oh. Smiles beam on both their faces. <laughs> the next day... Drew and Jack's front door swings open, and there, standing with a huge smile, is Sarah, glowing like a slap-happy flight attendant on Paxel. Hi there. Moments later in their living room, Drew and Jack are seated on the sofa, each with a clipboard in their hands. Sarah is fidgeting, seated in a chair in the center of the room. Drew takes on a professional and critical demeanor. So, Sarah, a couple of questions so we can get to know you. What do you love about gaming? Uh, it's fun. Jack and Drew nod, waiting for more. Mm -hmm. Sarah's smile stays plastered on her face. Her excitement can barely be contained. Jack and Drew continue to wait. Sarah continues to smile. Oh, okay. That's a good answer. Simple. Zen. Yeah. Have you ever LARPed before? Um, I did tabletop for a few weeks. Uh, only a few weeks? Why'd you stop? Because I, um, okay, I, there, there was this goblin. And we flash back to a gaming table in a kitchen somewhere at night. Sarah is rolling a d20 in her hand. It's a full tabletop setup, battle mat, minis, sodas, chips, rule books, and a group of gamers that are watching Sarah nervously. Sarah's jaws clenched. The intensity in her eyes could kill a man at 60 paces. I swear to God, if I miss this stumpy bastard one more time... She rolls. The gamers catch their breath and wait. The roll is a... One. Um, Sarah, hey, everyone has a bad night of... Ah! 
Sarah leaps to her feet and turns the table over in rage. Chips, minifigures, and die go flying. Her fellow gamers cower in terror. What's your AC now, bitch? Back in Drew and Jack's living room, Drew and Jack smile at her. As they look at her, they see Sarah standing in full plastic armor, looking less like the bubbly, happy person from moments ago and looking more like she's ready to fight off Persians in 300. She wields a mighty foam great sword over her head as though she's calling down the power of Castle Grayskull. There's a sound of metal crashing against metal and a single word appears below her fearsome visage. Warrior. A bit later, at Drew and Jack's front door, Naruna appears. Thin, tiny, odd-looking, and deadly serious. Drew and Jack stare at her. She stares back. Moments later in their living room, Naruna is in the audition chair with the two girls looking on. So, Naruna, have you played any sort of RPG, LARPing games, anything like that before? My first Dungeons & Dragons game was when I was six. I began with original D&D before moving to Advanced, where I played a wizard that I leveled to 20 over the course of my childhood. It took 11 years. But those were the days of second edition. Now any fool with a free Saturday can achieve the heights of power in only a few months. It's sickening. Naruna withdraws a large item from her bag. She slams down a stack of crudely bound papers, almost two feet high. The coffee table shudders under its weight. What's this? My list of spell components from that game. Gone are the days of glory. I'm ready to LARP. Now. Drew and Jack nod slowly. We reveal Naruna is standing in a beaten-up hooded cloak. She's holding a ball of tinfoil before her face as though it were a lethal, mystical object. Dark clouds roll in from behind, complete with a well-timed bolt of lightning, causing the following caption to flash into existence. Wizard. Drew and Jack's front door opens yet again, revealing the next soon-to-be member of the posse, Bianca. A mega nerd decked out in a gaming t-shirt and a striped beanie with a few locks of curly hair spilling out from underneath gives a huge, silent, hey, with a big open smile and a spastic wave. Moments later in Drew and Jack's living room, they take their seats on the sofa and prepare their clipboard questionnaire. Drew clears her throat and opens her mouth to ask the first of many questions and freezes. Bianca is gone. Jack notices the silence and looks up. Donning the same startled expression, they both jump up as Bianca suddenly reappears, walking in from the kitchen with a Mountain Dew in hand. Hi, just getting my soda. I hate warm soda. Jack looks at Drew in hopes her friend might make sense of the nonsensical. Drew manages to find her voice. Um, Bianca, where, where was your soda? In your fridge? When the hell did you have time to put it in the fridge? You just got here. Drew looks seriously disturbed. When the hell did you have time to put it in our fridge so it would be cold when our interview started? Bianca shrugs. Bigger, even more awesome, super epic reveal, complete with howling loud Nordic choir music blasting ancient dirges at the top of their lungs with an apocalyptic exploding volcano in the background. Bianca is nowhere to be seen until her hand pops up holding a small index card with the words, I'm stealthed, written on it. The caption blinks, thief. 
Drew and Jack's front door opens yet again to reveal Mimi, an Asian gal with a sweet disposition. Her sunny smile, coupled with the fact that she's dressed in a Hooters uniform, kind of puts her in the stereotype of a total airhead. Hi, I came from work. <laughs> Drew and Jack nod slowly with polite smiles. Drew and Jack, back in their living room, with clipboards in hand, now have Mimi in the audition chair. Okay, Mimi, so, do you have any gaming experience? I played Eye of the Beholder on Super Nintendo. Oh, man. Oh, I forgot about that one. What else can you tell us? Well, I'm a people person. I've done a lot of volunteer work at, like, homeless shelters, Red Cross. I did a stint with Greenpeace once where you chain yourself to a tree and stand in front of bulldozers. Oh, and once I got in the newspapers because I gave CPR to an alligator. Saved its life. Where was this? SeaWorld. How do you give an alligator CPR? You have to hold it like this, then wrap your lips around its snout like this, and blow. She demonstrates. And it's totally absurd. Drew and Jack watch in morbid fascination. Wow. That's kind of brave and selfless of you. She shrugs. I guess if I got my face bitten off, at least it was for a good cause, right? (laughs) A beam of light suddenly, inexplicably, shines through the back window, illuminating Mimi and bathing her in what almost seems like holy light. She looks over her shoulder. Oh, sun's out. Drew and Jack glance at each other. We now see Mimi, dressed in a fluffy-looking dress, probably snatched from Goodwill, is holding a cheap plaster ankh, spray-painted gold in one hand, her other raised above her head in supplication. Light shines down on her face and an angelic choir sings a hymn. She is looking up to the sky as though she were one with the divine powers. The caption appears out of the light. Cleric. The next day, Jack straps on a knee support and gives it a good slap as the Velcro sticks. She whips out her fake sigh, spinning them around and inspecting them to make sure they are safe. The consummate badass. She seems pleased. Epic reveal of Jack. No longer looking so sweet-faced, dons as menacing of an expression as she can and attempts a vicious growl while striking a dead pose in her plastic, crappy, Halloween-styled armor. (laughs) She attempts the growl again. Yeah, it's no better than the first time. The caption reads, Non-player character. Monster. In Drew's room, she strains her tiara in the mirror and snatches up her clipboard. Pausing, she looks at herself for a moment to make sure all is well. Then begins hopping up and down to see her fairy wings flap behind her. She seems pleased. Epic reveal of Drew standing in the darkness of space. Planets orbit behind her. Nebula splashes against the black void. She wears her signature fairy costume, wings and all. In her hand is a mighty clipboard, which she raises over her head like Moses revealing the Ten Commandments and sparking into existence, the Game Master. Drew steps out in full garb. The damsels stand gathered before her soldiers. As we hear the dramatic music of the slow-motion reservoir dogs walk, the march of the badasses, the damsels in line, wind blowing through their hair like a Pantene commercial with armor. Warrior, thief, 
wizard, cleric, with Jack bringing up the rear along with the dungeon master, Drew. Beautiful, majestic, deadly, determined, our heroines stand anticlimactically at the curb of an intersection. Sarah presses the crosswalk button. He presses it again. They wait. And wait. Later in the woods, the girls are gathered, excitedly adjusting their garb and chatting. Drew enters, followed by a weary-looking Jack trailing behind and carrying a heavy box. Okay. I know most of us, almost all of us, are new to this. So, before our first game here, we're going to take a minute to go over the rules. Gather round, everybody. Hell yeah! Rule session! Everyone stares at her. Just happy to be here. The girls all sit in a semicircle on the ground, facing Jack and Drew. Drew withdraws a massive three-ringed binder filled with papers. The girls bristle with energy, ready for their first game. Oh, is that a spell book? That's no spell book. Rule book. Jack face palms. The girls all seem a bit confused. Their energy slightly diffused. Are we going to have to carry a copy of that thing? Okay, rule number one. Real life stays out of the game. She looks at the girls severely. The girls nod. Now, we didn't plan on this being an all-girl group, but since we are, rule number two, no guys. What I mean is we've come here to escape and play, not to commiserate about some douchebag who didn't call you. Not to sound like an ass, but I think we can all admit this is tempting sometimes. So none of that. Is everyone cool with this? Naruna raises her hand. Yes? I like girls. Is that going to be a problem? Not at all. Of course not, but same rule, but for girls. Cool? Naruna nods. Oh my god, you're a gay wizard. You're totally like our very own Willow. Oh my god, I'm going to tell my Buffy book club. Bianca, Mimi, focus. Okay, rule number three. 20 minutes later in the woods, Drew is droning on about a random rule. Naruna is leaning forward and nodding as the rest of the girls stare forward like drooling zombies. Jack is peering out through the fingers of the hand she has placed on her face, trying to wish away the disaster. The energy is now dead. So let's see, critical hits, weight capacity, that's it. Any questions? Ask now. Everyone stares blankly. Jack jumps out in front. Who's ready to kick my ass? Our first game starts now. Game on. <laughs> the girls grin and get up, ready to fight. Later that afternoon in the woods, Jack, screaming like a blood-starred barbarian warlord as she blocks Sarah's great sword. The damsels are in a frenzy, fantasy garbed and wild. Combat is in full swing. The girls are shouting at each other, and over the din we hear the dungeon master Drew screaming. As the battle intensifies, the faint sound of steel on steel can be heard over the slaps of foam on foam as the girls get deeper and deeper into action. Suddenly, Mimi rushes into combat screaming, mace raised above her head. Jack sees it coming and spins away just as Sarah strikes, roaring in anger. Sarah swings blindly after the retreating monster and loses her grip on her weapon, sending it flying through the air into the grass. Jack seizes the advantage and presses the attack. In mad desperation, Sarah throws herself backwards and hits the ground, narrowly avoiding the onslaught. Mimi rushes again, but this time Jack rolls to the ground and snatches up Sarah's lost sword. 
In one fluid motion, Jack spins away from Mimi and strikes her viciously in the back. Hit! The cleric's strength fails. Wait, what's that mean? You're hurt badly. It clicks. Mimi lets out an exaggerated cry <sighs> and drops to the ground. Sarah climbs to her feet and charges in, a small foam dagger in her hand. Give me back my sword, you son of a- She lunges for Jack. Bad move. Jack's newly found weapon has a good three feet on Sarah's dagger. Jack simply holds the blade up. Sarah runs right into it, impaling herself on it. Oh, critical hit, warrior. Wait, what? Hold. Everyone freezes. Sarah, a critical hit is when a blow from your enemy either causes traumatic damage such as a severed arm, pierced lung, or a shattered skull. Oh, come on! Drew reaches to her side and pulls out the massive three-ring binder, tapping the cover with her finger and raising an eyebrow. Where did that come from? Drew begins to flip through the pages. The adrenaline from the battle vanishes as the girl's shoulders slump. Jack sighs. <sighs> um, maybe we can just take Drew's word for it and get back to the action, you know? Jack, we need to get these down. Here, Sarah, page 49. Ugh, I can take your word for it. Okay. Assume positions. Drew takes the binder back. Jack resumes, holding the sword up to Sarah's chest. Game on. Jack kicks Sarah off her blade. As she hits the ground, she shoots a look of shock and anger back up at Jack. Dude, what the hell? Jack blinks, the ferocity vanishing from her eyes. What? I'm hungry for blood and have no mercy. What? Mimi appears out of nowhere and smacks Jack on the back of the head with her mace, then immediately breaks out into celebrations. Critical hit! I killed it! I killed it! Drew, giving Mimi an angry look, opens her mouth to say something as Jack whirls on her attacker. Ow! Wait! It still lives! Ah! Bianca throws a dagger, smacking Jack right in the face. Jack goes down, grabbing her face in shock. Hold! Everyone freezes again. Drew rushes to Jack, who is lying on the mm. ground trying to get her bearings. Jack. Mm. Jack. Just, uh, sorry. Uh, remind me what just happened, please. Drew sighs and leaps to her feet, whirling on Mimi and Bianca. Oh, no throwing weapons, Bianca. That's in the rules that we just went over. Ugh, sorry. I I'm sorry, Jack. Jack stands up, a red mark forming on her face. I'm good. We're, we're good. Mimi, I call the critical hits. I call the hits, period. And you're wounded, so you can't just jump up and hit people. It, it, it says right here. She pulls out the binder. The girls deflate. Drew finds the page and holds it up, pointing at it. There. Now, Mimi, go lay back down. You're dying. Oh, right. I guess she kind of cut my spine, didn't she? That's so cool. Mimi flops back down to the ground. Drew shakes her head and turns to Sarah. Sarah, if there's a problem, call hold. Right. Gotcha. Oh, that was my bad, too. Sorry. These rules are here for a reason, people. We can't play the game without them. Murmurs of agreement. Mm -hmm. Naruna is impatient. Game on. Drew resumes her position. Jack shakes it out and readies herself. The damsels get into game mode again. And... Game on. Sarah lays flat on the ground, mortally wounded. The monster then turns her attention to the remaining damsels, Bianca the thief and Naruna the wizard. Bianca looks seriously frightened. Naruna looks 
disinterested. Uh, warrior, help? Bleeding out here. Cleric? My spine. Naruna steps up next to Bianca and dramatically flashes magical jazz hands. Bianca is mesmerized. Even Jack pauses. Lightning bolts. Naruna hurls a ball of tin. It hits. Jack throws herself back dramatically and collapses into a heap, convulsing violently for a second, then going still. Drew gives her bestie an approving smile. Naruna smirks. Bianca is holding her ears. What are you doing? Uh, you cast a lightning bolt next to my head? I figured there would be a thunderclap. Naruna approves. Huh. Drew can't help but smile to herself. Bleeding! The hell! Out over here! Thanks! They rush over to their group members. Mimi dramatically says, Heal her first. I'll be fine. How bad am I? Magical healing will stop the bleeding, but the wound will require a dazed rest for the warrior. Save her! Leave me to die! She wants to die! Do as she says! Drew raises her hands, looking overwhelmed. We can't heal her if you're dead, Cleric. Mimi, you're the healer. You have to be the one to save Sarah. Oh. We'll need our warrior at full power anyway, in case we get jumped again. Then we'll have to carry our cleric. Or we can leave the nutjob warrior. Find a new one. What? That doesn't seem very sportsmanlike. Jack tilts her head, watching the back and forth with morbid curiosity. Guys, maybe you could play a new warrior with slightly less suicidal bloodlust? She took my sword. Hey, well, don't throw it at her next time. It slipped. Okay, Sarah is about to die, as per the rules on bleeding damage. If you're going to do something, do it now. That warrior is about to die. Needs food. Badly. <laughs> Bianca looks at Naruna to see if she got the joke. It's from... Yes. Thank you, Bianca. Uh. Mimi scoots over to where Sarah is laying and puts her hand on her shoulder. Gods, heal this crazed animal who fights in your name. <laughs> Bianca stifles a laugh. Sarah gives Mimi a look. Warrior, you feel vitality flow through your limbs and your wound vanishes before your eyes. Thanks. Welcome. We have to wait a full day before she can cast another healing spell to heal herself. So now you carry me? Yeah, but wait, we don't actually have to carry you, right? She turns to Drew. Drew shakes her head in frustration. As they all form up and begin to move off, a pair of eyes appear in the bushes, cased in a wicked medieval helmet that reveals only the eyes and an amused grin. The mysterious stranger watches the damsels as they bicker while walking away. Later on that day, Sarah is in her office, packing items into a duffel bag that's discreetly filled with her damsel's attire when she notices a sigh in the bottom of the bag. Oh, damn. She grabs up her cell phone and dials, then waits. Hey, I did have it. An office aide steps into the doorway and pauses for a moment and waits for her to get off the phone. Oh, really? Well, you better get good at your ducking and weaving because next time I'll be delivering an overhand strike that... She notices the office aide, who is staring. Would cut through the empathy apathy of the common person and get straight to the heart of 
my global marketing strategy with my sword of honesty and excellent saleswomanship. Saleswomanship. The office aide delivers her a folder. Sarah hangs up the phone and smiles professionally. Thank you. You're welcome. And, um, I know you're my boss, but I don't think you're supposed to have that in the office. He's, of course, referring to the large sigh in her hand. Oops. Ah, well, it's fake, but excellent. You've done well. Your next review will be in... She checks her calendar. One month. The office aide beams, looking quite pleased with himself. Oh, that's kind of a weird test. Right? That's a corporate life for you. Anyway, well done. (laughs) I love this job. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I keep reading that safety handbook. I will. He leaves. She shoves Jack's weapon back into her bag quickly. That day in the woods, Sarah slides the sword into her sheath on her back. The damsels hunker down near a tree and peer into a clearing. I don't see anything. Send me out. If it kills me, you'll know where it is. Man, we're only three weeks into the adventure and our cleric is already depressed. Mimi, why do you keep doing this? You're our cleric. We need you. Alive. Drew, can I remake my character into a warrior cleric? What? Drew sighs. Please? I'm the warrior. You're trying to get in on my gig. Mimi, this isn't tabletop. It doesn't exactly work like that. Check your rule book. Drew pulls out the massive rule book. The girls groan. It's fine. Forget I asked. Don't get attitude. Oh, what? That's a warrior exclusive, too? Guys. You chose a pansy class, Mimi. It's not like it's our fault. Pansy class? I hope you weren't expecting me to heal you ever again. I came here to LARP. Okay, everyone. I'm declaring a duel. You're what? Let's settle this. Uh, Maybe killing each other isn't heroic? May I lightning bolt them both? Stop it. People's lives are depending on you all. So can we please get back into character and deal with the danger at hand? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what are we going to do about this? She motions to the empty forest. Send our thief. Me? Why? Because you're quieter than the death of Ricky Martin's career. Okay. Wait, what am I looking for again? <sighs> are... Are you serious? Were you listening? Yes? We've got to find out where that thing came from, the one that nearly killed us a few weeks ago. Now the townspeople said this is where people have been disappearing. It was here, right? Drew? Correct. You also recall that the townsfolk spoke of a strange tree that had bizarre writings on it, almost like claw marks. Got it. That should be easy to find, so our thief will... She stops short. Bianca is gone. How is that even possible? They watch the clearing. It's quiet. Just forest noises. They wait. And wait. And wait some more. Nothing happens. Drew sighs. Not to break the ever-fragile mood, but can she even find anything out there unless the GM tell her she has? (laughs) 
technically no, but I thought we'd reached a point where we should have, you know... Learned to improv a little? Exactly, yes. Jack steps into the clearing with her hand up. Hold! Hold. Jack, do you see Bianca out there? No. I was coming to see what was taking so long. The damsels look a little worried. Maybe she saw a butterfly? Let's give it a minute. You know how she is. They nod. Jack gives a thumbs up and runs back to her hiding position. Game on! Um, Bianca? All right. Sarah gets up and tiptoes out into the clearing. The others watch in suspense. It's like the scene right out of The Predator when Arnold is trying to lure the hunter into the trap. Sarah's sword is at the ready. The damsels hold their breath and watch. She's still as a statue, daring something to get her. Nothing. Sarah lowers her guard, turning back to the group. And is tackled. Ah! The damsels are stunned. Drew leaps to her feet, and the rest of the girls follow suit. Sarah blinks and looks up to see who is on top of her. It's not Jack. Looking down on her is Kolar a man in his early 30s decked out in full leather armor with two foam swords on his back. He grins down at her gleefully. Sarah screams, Whoa! And that concludes episode one of Damsels and Dragons. Thank you for listening, and please check out our podcast page to continue the story on episode two. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Get it for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about this script, along with details of the cast and crew, please visit our website at moviesmadeofpaper.com. You'll get a whole new story in next week's episode.